Driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases. The folks refusing to wear masks says. And politicians getting caught grabbing asses says. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. We are live on WCPT, and I hope you are all having a lovely evening. Uh, I actually, I kind of love this weather. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's just it's just warming up a little bit. Most of the ugly snow is gone. And uh, I just, I don't know, it's good. although it is good sleeping weather, which makes it hard to get up and go to work in the morning. I hope that uh, you guys have had a chance to uh, take a look at all the stories and uh, let me know what's on your mind. Because as I was leaving the house, I have... I often do this. I'll have Joan on uh, on the radio, and then I have MSNBC or some other, like C-SPAN, uh, kind of covering and following what's going on, whether it's in D.C. or, you know, breaking news, obviously what's going on with our response to the drone attack on our soldiers. Um, but I, as I was leaving the house, I was hearing Joan talk about uh, capital, the, the capital fools. I think it's a, I know there were previously capital steps and talking about how hard it can be to do comedy when it's based in politics and people saying, well, now that Trump is, was in office, it's, you know, it's going to be hard to do comedy. And I remember folks saying, oh, you must be glad that Trump won because you'll have plenty of jokes. Uh, you know what? We never uh, need uh, help. <laughs> we don't need horrible. I mean, as far as uh, I just don't need ho- catastrophic things to happen in order to write material. And look, I started out with the intention of being a, a political stand-up comic, and it was interesting that uh, the uh, performer that Joan was talking to mentioned the two the two people that I used to make the most fun of, not just because of their age, actually, it was mostly because of their politics, their racism, misogyny, uh, was Jesse Helms and Strom Thurmond. And it just it just turned out to not be my strong suit, uh, my strength on stage. I'm much better at autobiographical humor, observational, because politics just make me so angry. <laughs> it was very hard to always be funny about racists and uh, misogyny. It just wasn't uh, it wasn't it was it wasn't fun to do. I'd rather have conversations with you, interview authors and community leaders, electeds, uh, activists, and that's what I enjoy. Ha- uh, with you guys. And as I was listening to Joan and they were talking about uh, uh, these performances and it's all based in what's going on politically, I had MSNBC on, <laughs> you guys. I mean, I knew that there was a lot of hatred for Taylor Swift, uh, you know, all the MAGA tears that are just flowing because the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl and now they got to deal with Taylor Swift. And, and I fell down a very bizarre rabbit hole. I posted, woohoo, Taylor Swift is going to the Super Bowl. And I, I mute a lot of people who are just hateful or used uh, un- unnecessary language, uh, people who um, just it, not adding to the conversation. But somebody posted uh, she's going to be in Japan the day before. And I think I, I must have been one of millions of people because I started to search for it. And of course, the autofill on Google was will Taylor make it and then you know back from Japan and now I'm learning about her jets and what the time changes and all these things um at any rate uh, I, even the fact that I'm talking about this is bizarre but the conservatives the maga far right the extremists the ones that are are in the you know the conspiracy pool and they're just doggy paddling around looking for some other crazy, uh, I guess, maybe they're just looking for the, the warm spots of the pool. And, and then they can laugh about uh, who, who made that happen. And I'm sure that they have some magical uh, 
explanation for anyway. I don't know why I went that way, but uh, long story short, apparently, far right conservatives, extremists, uh, QAnon folks believe that Taylor Swift is part of a deep state psyop, in that she's being planted. She's uh, you know her popularity has been manipulated. Uh, that she is, and, and they're saying that they're. This is my favorite thing on, on shows like um, that you'll see on Fox, where they'll say, you know, there's no evidence for it. I'm just curious. Well, I, I mean, I know that we could say that about anything as long as you sort of put the phrase allegedly or I'm not saying it's true. I'm just curious. But it, it's just the depths of of ridiculousness. And I've read about this where people who are drawn to the conspiracies, the sort of magical thinking in that the simplest answer isn't enough for them. It isn't it can't possibly be that Taylor Swift is a talented musician, singer, songwriter, uh, could possibly have risen to this level of uh, of success of uh, this love story between her and this football player uh, who is doing a great job. I mean, he had several. He's fun to watch. But uh, they're they're concerned that she is a political operative who at some point during the the presidential campaign, she's going to come out and support Biden. She has not been secretive about how she feels in regards to politics for several years now. You can see on one of her. um, I still still feel silly that I'm even talking about this, but I I, I have to I just I'm compelled to. Laugh at the absurdity of their outrage, of their conspiracy theories. It's just, it's remarkable. Anyway, a few years ago, uh, they were doing a documentary, and her father was concerned that she was coming out in support of LGBTQ rights, that she was encouraging people to vote. Her dad did not want her to get involved politically uh, for her safety, for the sales of records, all those things. And she pushed back and said, this is what I believe. And we've seen women who have stepped forward and and shared their thoughts. We saw Dixie Chicks uh, mercilessly attacked in the media and having to reinvent themselves and come back strong. I've always enjoyed uh, the Dixie Chicks music. They And they were never coy. I mean, they were cool. Maybe they were coy, but they were never um, shy about expressing how they felt about domestic violence, about, you know, it can be folded into the artistry of what a performer does. Uh, my, again, my, my politics are not necessarily on stage, but if you're listening, you know that I'm talking about women's health when I talk about how pap smears are humiliating and painful and we haven't improved those. The exam has been done the exact same way since 1927, and a lot has happened since 1927. We have a Tonka truck on Mars taking selfies, and we still have women having to sit in the put her legs in the stirrups. Um, I'm just saying, uh, I'm bringing spurs with me next time, and that's that's something I, I created because women's health has not been invested in. At, at any rate, what I'm saying is uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, Dixie Chicks, uh, performers who want to express themselves, get to. And if people react to that, you're going to be mad at what somebody likes. You're going to be mad that you have to see somebody change the channel. You know, you can you can watch the game and listen to the radio. Uh, it's just it, it, it's just a pile of absolute craziness that uh, they're uh, whining about a, a just a. Per, a a wonderfully successful performer who has captured the imaginations of millions of people. And I didn't really know much about Taylor Swift. You know who made me pay attention to Taylor Swift was Kanye. When he rushed the stage 
when she won, I don't know if it was a Grammy or what award she was getting, and he ran up on stage and said, uh, Beyonce should have won this. Like, there have been haters of Taylor Swift for a long time, uh, and, and she can handle herself just fine. So uh, do you have any thoughts on this absurdity? The other thing that uh, is absolutely ridiculous today, of course, the Republicans are trying to um, impeach uh, the uh, uh, Homeland Security, Mayorkas, is that right? They're trying to impeach him while and saying that he's. Not, is there something wrong with the the board? Is everybody running around back there? Um, I uh, I was watching the conversation from Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson was saying Mayorkas is not enforcing the rules that Biden isn't doing anything for the border. That Donald Trump was the, he was the Donald Trump was the first one to talk about border border security. That uh, Donald Trump has not been enforcing the law. I mean, but. Joe Biden has not been enforcing the laws. Only Joe, President Biden has deported more people in three years than Donald Trump did during his entire administration. Is there what's everyone looks like they're running around back there. What, did I do something wrong? <laughs> are we on the air? Am I just talking to myself? Are we are we good? <laughs> We're good. OK, sometimes I don't know. I can't. Uh, uh, I just see a lot of flurry in the producer's booth. We'll find out soon what that is. Um I, uh, but Mike Johnson, who, uh, just, and he kept saying, if anyone, anyone watched this press conference today, he kept saying President Trump as though, and I get that we say we address somebody or talk about somebody according to their last seat. Like I talk about Senator Dan Katowski, even though he has not been in office for several years, he's the president and CEO of Kids Above All. I address him with his last, his most recent elected office. But the way Mike Johnson was talking about it and the way in which they are behaving is that he is, that the Trump is calling the shots because they either believe that the election was stolen or want him to believe that they believe that, which is such a twisted pile of logic. But the fact that the, 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 he's talking as though he's getting his orders directly from Trump. They don't want to do anything that might possibly make Joe Biden look good. But I thought that the whole thing, his whole his whole perspective on the war, his worldview came from the Bible. And I don't remember any teachings from Christ that had to do with letting children and their mother die right in front of you. Just I, I could someone find me the page where that's that says. We're in the Bible. It says uh, your safety is predicated on the death of others, I guess. That's the short way of putting it. Uh, I just I'm curious about that. 773-763-9278. That's a number to call if you want to join our conversation. That's 773-763-9278. We'd love to hear from you. The phone lines are open. We want to thank our sponsors, Monaco Brewing Company. Of course, go to monacobrewingcompany.com and find out how you can order some progressive brew, maybe a choice wine or hard seltzer. All the sales from uh, choice, the proceeds from choice seltzer and choice wine uh, are donated to Planned Parenthood and Personal Pack of Illinois. We also uh, encourage you to take a look at some of the merchandise. You can order a woke coffee mug. Stay woke, folks, because it means being empathetic and open to the possibility of helping others. Just, you know, <laughs> Mike Johnson doesn't. Anyway, I uh, also want to thank our friend Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Center, a division of Technocraft at 4080 North Broadway. Visit EuropeanUS.com to find out how they can help you. If you uh, find yourself in a situation where your car needs repairs, go to EuropeanUS.com. And we want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Visit KidsAboveAll.org and support the work they do the support the work that they do making sure that kids are happy, healthy and safe. Uh 
there's a new program. They have a new promotion called Step Up Saturdays. And uh, it's really a way for you to get involved and uh, find a way to support their mission, again, to help children who have survived trauma. Let's take a break here. I know if you're listening online, uh, if anybody's missing the signal, you can go to uh, the TuneIn app uh, as well. And hi to all of our friends watching on our Facebook live stream. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. You know that you can listen to Chicago's Progressive Talk on WCPT AM 820. Stream us live at WCPT820.com and on the TuneIn Radio app. Or you can ask Alexa, Siri, or Google to play WCPT from TuneIn. But now you have another option. We're simulcasting our programming overnight. 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. on WSBC AM 1240 for a clearer reception in and around the city. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820. And now overnights on WSBC 1240 a.m. where facts matter. Check up on health with Chris Whitting. Impulsive behavior is common in teenagers. Dr. Robert Whalen from the University of Vermont led a brain hey, imaging it, study Matt, that examined how the no, brains of teens with ADHD <laughs> differ from those who use drugs or alcohol. <laughs> there are hey, different Jerry, brain regions uh, driving different kinds of impulsivity. Even though you might see the same uh, no, impulsive really behavior, it might be actually uh, driven really by really different brain networks. So, for example, we found a couple of regions that are associated with ADHD and another different set of regions that are associated with drug use. But guess what we've done is produced a more sophisticated analysis so can addictive behavior run in families? There is now? a certain heritability no? in drug addiction, but it's very difficult to tease apart because people and families share the same DNA, <laughs> wait, wait, but they also I, share I the same environment. And although we've shown uh, that there might be a propensity the, for certain people to start using drugs or to use certain uh, types of drugs, the overall picture is very complicated. With checkup on here, you're All listening right. to WCPT yeah. because hey. facts matter. Okay, we put uh, Roosevelt on hold there. Um, although Roosevelt wants to talk about Kid Rock versus uh, Taylor Swift. And I'm guessing that, and look, any of the celebrities that Republicans decide is their um, their hero or someone that they want to uh, rally behind. Uh, can, we, can we just, the differences between Kid Rock and Taylor Swift are pretty significant. Although I do love that when uh, when Bud Light was um, oh you can't hear me can anyone hear me <laughs> I don't know. oh we're back all right we're back on eight twenty so let me see if I should hey everybody thank you for tuning in and uh, I want to let folks know that we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty I saw a lot of folks running around in the producers booth so I don't know if we're I don't no one's told me anything so I'm trying to figure it out but I will let's see do this and I'll push this button. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about the conspiracy theories that uh, so many of the far right extremists have been circulating in regards to Taylor Swift. Uh, they believe that she is a deep state, state psyop and she has been planted to manipulate uh, Democrats and young people. Well, you don't have to manipulate us uh, as far as whether or not we're going to vote for Trump. We are pretty solidly in the uh, camp of uh, Trump. Let's see what uh, folks are. Everyone's, OK, you can't hear me. Steve can hear me. My husband can hear me. Uh, Jerry can hear me. So does that mean that nobody at the station can hear me? Because <laughs> let's see if I can hear Roosevelt. Hey, Roosevelt, are you there? Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Sorry, Roosevelt, I can't hear you yet. Let's see if I can do that. Uh, At any rate, yes, uh, conservatives, uh, I was just watching a few minutes of Fox News on my way out and uh, a little bit of MSNBC. I try to flip around and see what the topic of the day is. And anytime we have uh, 
serious news going on that needs to be covered. Of course, Fox News is going to turn its attention and just say, here's a shiny object. We don't want you to see how Speaker Johnson is lying in D.C. saying that Joe Biden, President Biden, is not doing enough at the border. Uh, he has said that uh, Biden is breaking the law, that Mayorkas needs to be removed. And the truth is that under President Biden, more people have been deported than under President Trump in just the three years. And a lot of the footage that you'll see, you know, all the, the very dramatic images and we're being invaded. Conversely, there are a lot of folks going down to the border and challenging that and, say, and showing places along the border, all along the border, including the spots where the far right, the army of God is going to march and say that there is a... Um, you know, the, these massive amounts of people coming here, they're invading. It's mostly, and this is the other thing, they're all saying it's mostly military-aged men. Uh, and you'll see that there are folks who uh, are basically crossing the border and turning themselves over to Border Patrol so that they can be registered and seeking asylum and then follow due process. And the fact that Governor Abbott has ordered his law enforcement, uh, his National Guard, to round people up, put them on buses and send them places where they don't even know where they're going, what to expect, whether or not there'll be support services available for them when they arrive. Using human beings as a political prop is the most unconscionable thing that I can think of. It's it's disgusting. And we really uh, I, I, I'm I'm absolutely floored that any one who believes, who supports just shipping people around, allowing children to die uh, right in front of them as they try to cross the, the, the river with their with their mother, letting them drown, can really tell us that they base their philosophy, their view of the world on the Bible, because maybe that's some other Bible. Even if we were to go with the many different translations, the 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 way in which the language has been manipulated over centuries, even if we go with its present form, there is nothing that I have ever seen that says, uh, in order to keep yourself safe or to convince yourself, I guess that's a better way to put it, to convince yourself that you are protecting yourself, your countrymen, that you need to allow children and their mothers to drown in front of you. I, I would love to see the, the citation for that. I really would. And the idea that uh, anything, any laws should be based on Christianity. Why? I, I really want to know why is it, why are so many people uh, committed to enforcing and placing their ideology on others? I mean, if, Non-Christians, including people of other religions, atheists. Why do we have to live by what your interpretation, your narrow and cherry-picking interpretation of the Bible is, and live our lives that way? We've we've been, uh, had the folks from Catholics for uh, for choice on the show, and truly, if you believe that life begins at conception, that is your belief. That is not my belief. Why should your ideology be enforced on others, on another human being's body, their autonomy, their freedom to choose? Uh, it is 
it is the wildest thing for me to hear these conversations. Uh, people who are, well, you know, oh, we, the children, you can't expose them to drag queens. You can't allow them to uh, be taught by people who are gay. It's, it's destroying our society. But by all means, they don't need to go past the eighth grade and make them work in a meatpacking company at a sawmill in, on commercial farms being exposed to all kinds of Toxic chemicals, uh, dangerous equipment. And that's and that's just the stuff that's that can kill them. The emotional toll that I believe it, it takes on a on a teenager, on a young person, to work in an adult environment. And Republicans essentially want to create a labor force. They want to control the way in which you participate in our capitalistic society from birth. From You know, honestly, we saw Nikki Haley say that she wants to raise the retirement age. She wants you to work until you're 70 years old. She wants you to grind it out until you can't move anymore. From cradle to grave is what the Republicans want us. They want us to be working. They want you to have that social security number, not so that you can you know, be registered as somebody who in the event that you need help and have access to, to social services. No, no, no. They want to be make sure that you are working. And, uh, and accounted for. For folks who, uh, keep talking about how they want our, our, you know, we want, we want government out of our lives. Man, all they do is put government in our lives and in our wombs, in our rooms, our wombs, all the places where we expect privacy. Uh, they want to be all up in there. And I was absolutely floored when I saw this story about the woman in Ohio who had gone to the emergency room three times. She went to the emergency room three times seeking care. There was something wrong with her pregnancy. And they knew on the first visit that her fetus was not, it was, there was no, there was no heartbeat. There was no, there was nothing happening in her womb that she was now a walking mausoleum. And they sent her home and said, there's nothing we can do for you because by law, we cannot offer you a DNC. They can they could not evacuate her womb, her uterus. They could do nothing for her. So they sent her home. She came back, wasn't feeling well. They said, there's nothing we can do for you. You'll have to go home and wait. And at some point, your body can start to treat that like it's a tumor and you can go into sepsis. You can get very ill. The third time she comes back and they still sent her home. And do you know who called the police once she told them that she had passed the, the fetus in her toilet? It was a nurse, which I, I now where are women supposed to turn if they can't even trust the medical providers that they turn to for help for their own health? And there's a nurse calling her in. I was so disappointed to hear that. And that's scary for women when they know that they they need medical help. There are thousands of women across this country who are being forced to be incubators because of other people's ideologies. It is unkind. Let me see if I, I don't know if I have the phone lines back up. Let's see if we can get to Roosevelt. Hey, Roosevelt. Hold on a second. Let me see. Yeah. Give me a second. You hear me? Here. You hear me? There? Oh, I have to wait. You hear me? Let's see. Try that button, that button. Nope, none of my buttons are working. Let me take a, a break here so we can see, I can see if uh, anyone can help me out with the phones. And, uh, <laughs> Roosevelt, Paul, hang on the line. And I will, Roosevelt and Paul, hang on the lines and I'll uh, see if we can get this straightened out in just a moment on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. I've got you. I know I do. Hey, Roosevelt, what do you want to say? 
Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. And by the way, everyone, hey, everyone listening could hear you, but I couldn't hear you. So uh, okay. I could have pretended like I was hearing what you were saying. Go ahead. Okay, here's the deal. Yes. Snowflake. Yes. Strict description of, of, of Fox News and the Republican Party. Let me tell you why. The latest one is Snoop. Did you hear what Snoop said? That he no. loves Trump. That he what? He done loves, anything it, to him. That he loves Trump? He, loves, he used the word loves Trump. Because he hasn't done nothing to him, okay? So I love Snoop's uh, music. I don't care if he backs up Trump. I still like his music. Okay. One. Ted, Ted Nugent. I grew up with Ted Nugent. 1977. Stranglehold. Great song. The guy's an idiot. <laughs> Back to Kid Rock. Another idiot. Uh, Charlton Heston. Wasn't he, wasn't he the president of uh, the NRA? Yes. Okay. My so cold dead hands. Oh, oh, you, 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 you can have my gun from. You have to pry my gun from my dead cold my, hands, right? Yep. Dead cold hands. Okay. What about John Boyd? He was actually on stage supporting Trump in the last last time he ran against Biden. Right. He's a big time Republican, uh, conservative. I love his music. That, I mean his music. His um, movie. One of his movies, Midnight Cowboy. Um, so, I mean, these guys are snowflakes. And that's the perfect description as far as I'm concerned. You know what's funny is that they also, a lot of them who are conservative in Hollywood, a lot of the guys, and it seems to be a lot of men, although there's a few uh, women, but they always say, you know, I I, I can't get work because I'm a conservative. You know, it's like, well, cry me a river. (laughs) Maybe it's it's certainly good cover, like Kevin Sorbo. Uh, Who else? The uh, What was that? That's a bunch of pull because I'll tell you why. One of the best actors, I love his movies. Stone Republican, and that's the guy that's sick, the one that was married to him. Uh, oh, God, what the heck is his name? Die Hard, the Die Hard guy. Um, die, hard. die Hard? Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis, big-time Republican. Oh, I didn't know oh, Gary Sinise, yeah. Gonna, uh, Gary Sinise. Um, He's not going to stop me. Uh, D.B. Sweeney, who played uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson in the movie Eight Men Out, hey, amongst other things. I'll throw you another one. Yep. I'll throw you another one. J- Jason Aldean. I don't know who that is. This oh, the, the singer? Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of them in country music. Just, you know, we just don't know of it. Right. But, but the point I'm trying to make is, you're a snowflake. You're that insecure. But here's the problem that I see for them. The problem is Taylor Swift, because she hasn't declared, but we know that in 20, 2020, she supported Biden, and she said something to the effect that uh, we got to be Trump. You're right. I seen that video when she was younger. Yeah. The video when she was with her parents. I seen that. I remember that. So it's a thing. When they say, notice, Fox News says that they shouldn't be involved in, in politics. They shouldn't have anything to do with politics. Now let me ask you this. You're an, you're an entertainer. You started your career as an entertainer. So you don't have a right to speak your mind? I know you're deep into uh, politics and you're uh, – uh, progressive, uh, liberal, whatever you want to call it. But that's my point. My point is, that insecure? Are you that insecure that she's going to – here's a problem. She is going to register a lot of people. I don't know if you've seen a, an oh, article yeah, I read about – Young voters, absolutely. 35,000 to be precise. And, and she affected, to some extent, the uh, elections in Argentina. Because this girl – Here's the problem that they have. She doesn't have anything dirty on her. Now, have you seen the thing on X? 
the thing with the pornographic stuff? Yeah, the, uh, That's the AI. Why. Right. For folks who don't know, there was yeah. a, a whole website yeah. dedicated to fake nude pictures of, of Taylor Swift. Yeah. That's what's killing them. What's killing them is they can't criticize their personal life. Right. So they built up this thing, this, uh, you know, thing that was this plan, this uh, QAnon. It's like a QAnon, a QAnon thing. And uh, and there's people already saying that. I just came from Jewel. Uh, talk to this guy. Go, who do you think is going to win? Oh, it's uh, Kansas City. Well, why? Why do you think it's Kansas City? Uh, well, because of Taylor Swift. She's got it all fixed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love I loved uh, Stephanie Miller this morning. So that it's got to be very confusing for uh, the right wing extremists because they either have to che- cheer for the Taylor Swift Chiefs or the uh, Uber Gay Forty ers from San Francisco. So I just oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, a great I point. I love it. I love but it. I've, I've got to run. I hate, I, I'm so sorry. One more thought, right, Roosevelt. Go ahead and wrap it up. I hate when they say they sh- that people. Into- it's a job, just like yours. You're a comedian. You're a stand-up comedian. What? You don't have you don't have a right to to speak your mind. I thought we live in a, a land of freedom, right? Freedom of speech. Nope. Nope. No. The only, uh, not if you're saying something they don't like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Snowflakes. Oh, and by the way, yes. See the thing on Laura Ingram as far as uh, Taylor Swift. She says she should be a conservative. Look it up. Okay. They're blowing their minds over there. Oh, yeah. They're right. losing their minds. Later. Take care. Thank you. I've got a guest coming up in studio, and I hope he'll be patient because I want to make sure we get to all of our calls before we bring in a candidate for Illinois State Senate. Paul in Seattle, we want to talk about law based in the Bible. Yes, go ahead. You know, um, the only part in the Bible that talks about abortion is in the book of Numbers, chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Uh, if that's not a rabbinic prescription for how to cause an abortion, I'm not sure, you know, because when you get to the point, it's like you scoop up some dust off the temple floor and then you put it, mix it with some water and force her to drink it. If And if she's been impregnated by from an adulterous relationship, then it says her thigh will fall away. I, I'm not sure exactly what they're getting at, but I think it means abortion. Um, it's not entirely against killing children because uh, Psalm 137 says, happy is the one who sees their children dashed against the stones. But uh, one time about, well, I guess it was before he died, uh, on the uh, Alan Combs show, uh, he had on me and Robert Jeffers, that, you know, the right-wing preacher? Uh-huh. Uh, and, and he was talking about how the, uh, the Constitution is based on Christian principles, and I said, oh, hold on a second here. Let's play a little game. Like they have in the newspaper, you know, like there's a match the the names on the column uh, on the in the column on the left with the what happened on the right. So I said, let's do that. Let's let's list some Christian principles. okay, on the left here. And then we're going to match them up with some parts of the Constitution. So list me some Christian principles. Let's take at least three. Right. Uh, Three or four or five. Maybe if if, since you're a, a pastor, you should at least be able to come up with five or six. And then we'll match them up with some uh parts of the Constitution on the right. How about that? He nice. said, well, uh, if you'll notice in the preamble, the word blessing is capitalized, and I don't know how you can have blessings without God. Oh, I boy. said, that, yeah. that's your list? Yeah, that's the answer. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's Paul from Seattle, the host of Kitchen Table Progressives here on WCPT uh, at 6 o'clock. And uh, I've got to run because I do have a guest waiting for me in the conference room. Thank you so much for calling, Paul. Have a good one. Take care. Let's take a break here. and we come back, we'll have a conversation with someone running for the Illinois State Senate. Uh, let's see what's on his mind and why he's running and uh, how you can perhaps uh, get involved. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal.
Driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I am so excited to talk to a candidate who's running for the Illinois State Senate District 20. Joining us in studio is Dr. David Nyack. And uh, congratulations on running and thank you. Appreciate it, Pat. Hey, thank you for having us in studio today. Absolutely. So this is, um, it's hard for me to explain to people the sort of dynamics of getting involved in a race. So let's find out how you decided to run. First of all, I, this is where I usually start with anybody. Where did you grow up? So a son of an immigrant's parents uh, came from India, and I was born in Peoria, Illinois, and oh. raised in Bloomington, Illinois. Really? Absolutely. Downstater for a number of years, and then have been in the city here for 20 years. Uh, by trade, I'm a lung doctor. And yeah, yeah, I'm a lung doctor and a farmer and people sort of get caught off guard. They're like, well, what are you doing? And so all of my education here has been uh, through the academic hospitals here. And so the veterans have a soft place in my heart. So I was an attending at the VA uh, hospital over at Heinz. Mm -hmm. And then actually I started my nonprofit, the Strength to Love Foundation in 2019. And we are providing free medical care to patients who are uninsured. So we've been doing that for the last few years. Um, all of our patients are uninsured. When they walk in, they get free medications like inhalers for conditions like asthma and COPD. And it's been such a pleasure just really addressing patients who just don't have the ability to find subspecialty care. And let's face it, healthcare costs are too expensive. We need to drive down health insurance premiums. We need to drive down prescription drug costs. And we need to get better access to healthcare to so many groups of people here in our city. And we've been doing that. And I've been doing that. Should you win the the state senate seat for the the twentieth district? By the way, folks, if you don't know if you live in the twentieth, uh, actually, we'll get to that in a moment as far as what neighborhoods. But if you have a voter registration card, it says they're right. It'll tell you what ward you live in, what state senate district you live in, uh, state rep, all those things. Uh, when, as a state senator, what do you see as the path to making those kinds of changes in health care? Because I've talked to state legislators. This is one of the things when I ran for the nineteenth house seat that I told people: this is the hill I'm dying on because this is our, our crisis of our generation. It truly is. I believe that health care is a human right. I think that uh, there's too many families that are afraid to get sick or seek medical help because they worry that they might not be able to afford just the cost of living. They will choose uh, one, you know, whether it's paying for their kids' needs over their own medications. And I've been told by the person that, that did win the 19th district seat, she, you know, we've been on meetings and she's told people that there just isn't the right energy in Springfield right now to really get much done. Um, not that I have any sort of resentment, but I do. Uh, what do you see as a path? Like, what kind of coalition do you see building, and what what, what does that look like of improving access to healthcare in, in Illinois? Yeah, great. Great question. And firstly, I wholeheartedly agree. Healthcare is a human right, full stop. Yeah. It's not some pie in the sky idea. Uh, I've actually done it, right? And so when we're creating uh, and scaling access to free healthcare clinics for the underinsured and uninsured, we need to make sure, one, that we have the capabilities of doing that, right? So whether it's help from Springfield on the state budget or partnering with the private sector and um, nonprofits, right? So I started the Strength to Love Clinic, right? And knowing my background in medicine, but also patient care and management and healthcare management, we were able to buy a space, fix it up, get the partnerships that we needed to in industry, and then making sure that we could provide good quality care. And it's doable. 
right? So, for example, we have the infrastructure and the ability to create free clinics. The issue is, right, getting it to be staffed by the providers and by the ancillary help. If we create a model, which I would do as a state senator, to staff these clinics with healthcare providers, if we offer them a chance to forgive their student debt. I don't know about you, but there are many colleagues of mine who are in their early 40s like me who still have a mortgage payment of student debt. Mm. And that can be a a wonderfully enticing um, carrot to dangle out there. So if we build the free clinics, we can get the providers to come. Now, we know that if patients get better health care, they live better lives, right? So in my clinic, which is a lung clinic, we take care of both children and adults who suffer primarily from asthma and COPD. Now, if you look at Humble Park, which some of that is in our district, 30% of our children in Humble Park suffer from asthma. Mm. Now, we know that asthma is one of the worst conditions where you have absenteeism at school. When those children are absent, those parents have to stay home from school. It's very difficult to get child care, right, and expensive, no less. So those parents are missing work, too. And it's a multi-billion dollar, um, you know, issue when kids are missing school, parents are missing work, right? So in our clinic, we have great outcomes. So we look at long-term, the access to not only myself as a subspecialist, but also the medications. Inhalers are not cheap, right? They're not. And we've been fortunate to partner with a local pharmacy, the New City Pharmacy locally, whose pharmacists believe in our mission, right? And what they've done is they've been very generous at providing the inhalers at cost. And so when you walk in, everything is free. In addition, we want to we want to promote compliance too, right? This is not just some sort of transient exercise. If you stay in our clinic and you come, your outcomes are going to be great. And so how do we get you to our clinic? Let's pay for your Uber. Let's pay for your VentraCard, okay. right? We want to make sure that once you walk in, that you're going to be well taken care of. And so I've had patients for years now who come in really, really ill. And they're dependent on steroids. They're dependent on multiple inhalers. And they actually are discharged from our practice just as a rescue inhaler. So the model that we've created actually works. Works, And I'll, and I'll talk you through, Patty. My secret sauce is not really secret, right? I deploy pre-pilot programs in the community. I look back to see what works, what doesn't work, then we scale up. This can be translated into good policy. And that's the first thing that I would do, not only as a senator in our district, is that we need to provide access to great quality care at very limited or no cost, right? So I'm a lung specialist. Even if you have PPO insurance, it's hard to get an appointment with me. Can you imagine if you were on, if you're underinsured, let alone uninsured? Right. There are, there are months to year long waits to get into some of these clinics. Look, I trained at UIC, Rush, Northwestern, Lurie Children's, working at Cook County. You know, County Care is a wonderful program, but I'm going to tell you, getting into Fantas sometimes can take a while, right? Um, so we need to make sure that children who are staying home and missing months of school because of their poorly treated asthma can get into specialists like myself, and that's what we're going to do. It, with a model like this, is there some? Is there another state that? Because here's the thing in Springfield, you have to build a coalition. You have to with an, an issue like this. You because my son has a corpus callosum disorder. He's missing some of the fibers in the frontal lobe uh, between the hemispheres of the brain, and uh, you know. 
uh, one of the reasons I ran was because this is one of the worst states in the country when it comes to uh, caring for people with intellectual and physical disabilities. And, you know, the the issue is that you have to build that coalition. You have to have at least 10, 11, 12 people who will stand firm with you on that on that concern. And. I'm I'm still surprised to this day that there aren't more Democrats that are you know pushing for something like what you're talking about. Uh, also, you know when it comes to the uninsured and the underinsured, making sure that they have access to health care. And I haven't seen it move. How do you see your ability to you know make those uh, connections, building that uh, coalition? Two points. Two great. Two points I want to make. One, I'd be the only practicing physician in the Senate. Obviously, I'd sit on Health and Human Services. And that I would take on the the institutions that really preclude people from getting cheaper medications, from paying a deductible that now is a second rent, right? A lot of people choose to forego their health insurance because they need to pay for the rising cost of food. They need to pay for the rising cost of rent. I can't tell you in my, my practice, so everybody thinks that the uninsured are really, really, really poor people. But I'm going to tell you something. Since the pandemic, that couldn't be further from the right. truth. I have freelancers. I have children or, or young adults who are coming off their parents' insurance. I have people who have just recently lost their jobs who are going through a tough time. Millions of Americans are uninsured. There are so many uninsured here in Chicago and in the 20th district, and we serve them. And we can create a model that decreases our state's budget and expenses on the longer-term health effects of these chronic diseases. Let's face it. So, for example, I mentioned before, just off air, I'm also a farmer as well. Uh, born downstate, right? I'm a farmer and gardener. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the largest growers of sweet corn and uh, uh, snap beans in the state. And to me, food is medicine. And what I mean by that is that it's really hard to treat diet-related diseases like diabetes, high blood pressure, without access to fresh, healthy, nutritious food. So I, I decided to actually utilize my farm. We put people over profits. We have We take our specialty crops, we load them on our trucks, and we get them to the food banks, the pantries, the churches, and the gardens. We fed over 650,000 people in Chicago and Illinois over the last two years. We're fortunate and humbled to be part of the Biden administration's program to end hunger by 2030. So we report on a quarterly basis, and we're accountable to feeding 1.2 million people. Again, we fed 125,000 people the first year, 500,000 people last year. We're on pace to feed over 1.2 million people by the end of the season. Nice. And, and here's the thing, right? We're creating new food systems so that we can tackle these chronic diseases the right way, right? With healthy, nutritious food, with access to health care that's absolutely needed now. And if you take all those things together, the chronic condition disease burden financially on our state is crippling us. It's crippling America, let's be honest. Right. And we can do this the way that we need to and have to, that we should have been doing, to be honest, many years ago, is to make sure preventative measures are in place. So for example, again, going back to my secret sauce, right? So I created and wrote the Illinois Farmers Who Fight Hunger Act. And we tried to get it through conventionally last session. Senator Dave Kaler and Dale Fowler were my chief goes, uh, bipartisan. That's mm-hmm. the type of person I am on this. And we wanted to incentivize other farmers to do what we were doing. And look, I'm going to tell you, Farmers are one of the most generous people on the planet. But I will tell you something. Margins are too tight. 
the, yeah. and the input costs have been going up, sure. especially since the pandemic. So it's very hard to convince a farmer to donate their their yield like I do to the food banks. But what if you can incentivize them and say, look, we could get you some tax credits, right? Dollar for dollar tax credits, not deductions. And so by our by, by the way my bill was structured, if 20% of our farmers in Illinois donate to the food banks directly, okay, we're going to create 200 million new meals annually for the hungry. And let's take a step back. Forest from the trees here, Patty. 1.4 million Illinoisans are hungry right now. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. Of that is 400,000 are children. We need to do more in food insecurity here. And that's what I'm going to do as senator. I'm going to create more gardens. I'm going to put more grocery stores in there. I'm going to put more food pantries in there. Because I'm going to tell you something. The lines around the food pantries, oh, yeah. they're getting longer and longer. If you, if you look at your grocery bill every month, it's gone up and up and up. Let's talk about this. You know, why can we subsidize oil companies to bring down our gas prices? Why can't we subsidize grocery stores to bring down our food costs? We need to do more and we need to do it immediately. And I've been doing it in our community for years. And that's why I'm running. The people of the 20th district, especially the working class, have a boot of injustice that's just pressing down on their throats. And we need to alleviate that. We need people to just breathe a little. And that's actually what I've done. If you look at my work, I'm trying to temporarily reduce people's pain so they can just breathe a little bit better, whether it's providing health care at a great time of need, whether it's providing a simple meal, right, at a time when they're hungry or their children are hungry. And we can talk about my burial program I created, especially during a time when families have just encountered the most devastating loss of their lives when their children are, their child is ripped from their, their family mm-hmm. by gun violence. I've been, I've been burying children for many years here in our communities. And this is what I have myopically focused my work on every single day of my life is trying to figure out how do we reduce the pain in our community? I've done it. And not only that, I've translated this into policy. And and that's really what we want to feed off of as Senator Nyack's office begins, is that we continue the work that we've done in the private sector for years, and we'll do it in the public sector. Now, this is a seat, uh, again, we're talking to Dr. David Nyack. He is running for the 20th District, uh, Illinois Senate seat. What, what, first of all, when did you start this campaign? When did you launch uh, your campaign to, to occupy the seat? So the campaign started... Um, shortly after the appointment process, you know, in which this, was around July. Me. Yeah. Okay. So the, the appointment process uh, wrapped up in around July. And, you know, I went back with my wife and we talked about the importance of saying, look, is this something that we want to get involved in? Because, look, this is my first rodeo and it won't be my last. And, and there's a reason why. Um, you know, we're a faithful family. You know, uh, I'm a deacon in my church, and we've been we've been really, um, you know, embracing the the moniker like service is an obligation. It's not a privilege, and we teach that to our children too. Um, whether whether it is just these small, um, you know, you know, benevolent things that we can do, or um, serving our community, and the Senate seat offers us the opportunity to continue to serve the people and to help reduce their pain in big ways and in legislative ways. So, for example, 
um, I spoke about the burial program. So under the foundation, we um, were were touched by a loss of an eight-year-old a few years ago from our after-school program my wife and I were volunteering at. And this child was killed suddenly by gang crossfire in Cabrini. Mm-hmm. Tragic loss to our program was, in, was a bright eight-year-old in this after-school program. And the volunteer coordinator came to us and said to the group of people here and said, you know, could anybody help out with this child's burial? Oh. The mom cannot pay for this. And my wife and I, you know, got together and we said, look, we really feel we need to pay for this child's entire burial. And we did that. And it wasn't until a few months later when I got a block call on my cell and it was mom, hit the child's mom. And she said, Dr. Dave, I want to let you know something. You paying for my child's burial gave me the confidence to get up in the morning, to take a shower, to go out to the grave, to spend time with them, to to at least process a lot of the grief because you know, when you lose a child like that, and I, I, and I have a nine and 11 year old and I can't imagine losing a child ripped from your life like that. And, but she said, you know, that got me back to work. That got me my paycheck again. That got me Mm -hmm. to feed my kids. And without your paying for that burial, I would have had to cremate him. And let me tell you something, GoFundMe pages come up short. Many, many Parents who lose their child to gun violence have to cremate their child when they want to bury them. And I've had these difficult conversations, I still do to this very day, to mothers and dads who are very much financially strapped in terms of trying to pay for this because you only have a matter of days. And so what happened was this. We started to reach out uh, to other families who encountered the loss of their child through gun violence. And over the years, we started to realize, one, that no parent should have to insure their child. Secondly, that many times in, in black and brown communities, these parents were under not only the trauma of losing your child, but the financial burdens of paying for the funeral and burial costs. So a lot of the activists in the communities would serve as family representatives. And I was very fortunate, um, you know, to connect with Mike Flager. Mike's a good friend of mine, Father Flager at St. Sabina Church. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went to Mike and I said, look, you know, the state's really... They, while they have a reimbursement program through the Illinois Crime Victims Compensation Act and some in the Funeral Burial Fund, they're not getting the funds directly to these families within days, which is needed. So I said, you know, do you have somebody I could talk to that is in the legislative body, in the Illinois legislature, who could help me out? Because I have an idea. I want to write a bill to get these funds to to the individuals, to the families. And so he said, you know, Jackie Collins, Senator Jackie Collins is a person in St. Sabina. I can open the door for you, but you got to do the rest. And I took this bill that I wrote and um, Jackie said, I'll be your champion in the Senate. Camille Lilly was my champion in the House, bipartisan. And the governor was very supportive of this program. And within four months, he signed the bill and it's now into effect. Every family now, it's called the Michael Moultrie Jr. Act. I named it after Michael, four-year-old child that we that we buried, who was tragically taken from his parents um, while he was just in his bedroom from gang crossfire. And what we did was we were successful now that any family can get $10,000 in three days through the Michael Moultrie Jr. Act. And these legislative victories of healing people's pain 
is the reason why I'm running. We are going to create and to put forth aggressive legislative agenda that 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 improves access to health care that feeds the hungry that heals people's pain whether it's talking about community safety whether it's talking about improving our education whether it's you know so these are the issues that we're we're most passionate about but it, it can't be done without our community and that's why i'm asking our community to take a look at us take a look at at, at our platform drdavenayak.com you can follow us on social media at Dr. Dave Nyack. And we believe and know that through our interactions with the community over these last few months that it's resonating. People are looking at us because we know what we're up against. We know we're up against a candidate, uh, an opponent who's backed by CTU. We know we're up against the Senate Dems and their machine. We know we're up against a lot of headwinds. But guess what? I'm telling you that we're resonating. So we have our district tours, okay? So we're, we're setting up town halls. We had just had one at La Cilia in Avondale. We have one coming up on Monday. We would love people to come by. It's at the Regency, Monday, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., two hours, free food, free drinks, and just come by and ask us questions. We're going to have one every two weeks in every uh, area of the 20th district. And we know once you come by, you ask me questions and you talk to me that you know that we're putting people first. People first is what we're doing. Dr. Dave Nyack running for Democrat, running for state Senate in the 20th district. And if you're wondering if you live in the 20th state district, it is all, if you live in the neighborhoods of Albany Park, Avondale, D- Belmont, Cragen, what's that one in the middle? It says, uh, is that Bucktown. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Bucktown and Bucktown, Logan Square and Lincoln Park. And, uh, Irving Park. Yeah. Lincoln mm-hmm. Park, uh, Logan Square, Portage Park and Roscoe Village. So parts of all those communities are in the 20th Senate District. Go to Dr. Dave Nyack. That's N-A-Y-A-K dot com and find out more about the campaign. And what he needs is, uh, you know, when you're a candidate, they, they'll ask for your support, your time and your money, uh, your vote, obviously, if you live in those communities. And we would love to have you back so we can uh, learn more about you and your campaign. And I wish you the very best. Uh, I know call time and door knocking takes a lot of time, so uh, we're going to send you back out there. Again, the website is DrDaveNyack.com, and we look forward to seeing you again. Congratulations for running. Appreciate it, Patty. Thank, thank you, you for thank everything you. you do. Absolutely. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk to our friend Richard Chavzin from SAG-AFTRA. It's another Labor Hour on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to and politicians getting caught grabbing asses. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And want to say hi to our friends listening in Minneapolis, St. Paul on KTNF, 9.50 a.m. Uh, definitely want to thank our guest in studio who found out he was on the show today uh, by a social media post. You know, was, I should have just sent you the <laughs> screenshot of the, the text that I apparently never sent to you. I'm like, oh, he said the 30th. I'll just put him down for the 30th and then didn't send that to you. Hey, Richard Chavez, and how are you doing? I'm all right, Patty. How's yourself? Oh, I'm doing okay. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Uh, I know that you were recently in Vegas. I was. For some uh, some tech conversations, including AI, which has been top of mind for me. Uh, you were actually, I think, in Vegas when I, I was up all night when I saw George Carlin's daughter had found out that day that, and maybe we should wait for that for a minute because sure. there's so many other things involved in this. Um, it, how was your, how were your holidays? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going back there. Yeah, um, uh, they were lovely. Yeah, they were in. Um, uh, 
a d- different climate, and I mean that both uh, uh, weather-wise and politically, because my uh, partner is originally from Texas, and so we spend uh, oh. the holidays. Uh, my folks are gone now, so we spend the holidays pretty much um, in uh, in a small town in Texas, about. Half hour southwest of Fort Worth. Really? Yeah. Okay. How was it? Was it nice weather? Um, it was all right. Yeah. All right. It, it was okay. Yeah, we had very warm weather on Christmas Day, if I recall correctly. I was mm-hmm. wondering because I, I wonder, I wondered if like you know because there had been such a long strike for SAG-AFTRA, right? And if that was like people were asking you about it, you're like, oh, we got, we'll ask our SAG-AFTRA expert. Did you have, were there any conversations over the holidays and with your uh, celebratory group? A little for the holidays? bit, yeah. You know, a little bit, and there. Uh, they're not complete neophytes because, you know, they have family in the business and okay. all that. Oh, so Other, they were pretty familiar with the situation. Yeah. And, and I wore, you know, I wore a T-shirt, you know, striped T-shirt, whatever, I think, just like out to the grocery store once or twice. And, you know, maybe one or two people were like right on and then right. other people were, shall we say, looking askance. Oh, boy. But, you yeah. know. It is. It's uh, labor has had such a boost of energy. I think in the last two years, uh, along with SAG-AFTRA and the Writers Guild, of course, the UAW, UPS. It was a historic year for contracts last year. Um, I, one of the things I was telling our friends from Union Proud Warrior yesterday, we had uh, three guys who are all bricklayers. Uh, I learned a lot about uh, terrazzo and marble and uh, ceramic <laughs> tile. It was, it was really, it was quite cool. And uh, but one of the things that, that we were uh, we were talking about is, you know, this is a time to start really using that momentum and that energy and spreading the word about being a part of a labor movement, being in a union, uh, having you know collective bargaining. It, it's important. But I also they were surprised to learn, and I believe I have this number right and you 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 know better than i do the turnout for our our final vote on the contract was less than 40 percent if uh if i'm not mistaken which i was for 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 sag aftra yes that was surprising it's um actually historically um kind of high really because i feel like we voted in pretty big numbers for to approve the strike Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Of of the people who voted, so don't yes. for, don't forget it's 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 always a percentage. A percentage of the people that voted, but it, the eligible voters that is what the less than forty percent of the correct of the forty percent that did show up, they voted majority to accept the contract. Yes, um, that was oh god, um, I. I it was, I actually knew the numbers a little while ago, uh, off the top of my head. I, I didn't mean it was. It was within. It was around sixty. Yeah, that was ish. my understanding. Yeah, um, and that is is uh, historically low for us okay. um, because we tend to ratify um, in the ninety percent area, mm-hmm. roughly. Yeah, this was a, a little more controversial. Um, I think in some respects. Uh, we can be a little bit of a victim of the old uh, expression that a little learning is a dangerous thing. Right. Uh, and you combine that with the Internet, which, of course, provides a, a, a unlimited volume um, platform and audience that was never the case in the past. So that some very 
you know, can be it conspiracy theories or, you know, fringe whatever, have the kind of microphone that they never did, right. you know, b- before this technology was available. And that's a that's a double-edged sword. It always has been. Everybody knows that. And there are so many components of this contract. I mean, right down to uh, having uh, appropriate uh, staff on, on hand for people who have different hairstyles, which, you know, for attending to people who have weaves or uh, extensions or braid, you know, have for the African-American community, uh, right. for the Native American community. Uh, I, I thought that that was an interesting element that had not necessarily been provided. Uh, before, I mean, taking a lot of uh, our lived experiences as entertainers, as artists uh, into account, I thought was remarkable. And and it was historic. It was a historic uh, contract. And I know that, so I was at the meetings here in Chicago and I watched some of them online. And, and the biggest thing that people were coming down on was AI. And it's unfortunate. And I feel like, you know, with the internet, with technology, we're not the only ones playing catch up. I mean, we talked uh, in one of our meetings with the strike captain about going to D.C. and trying to explain to legislators, you, we need you to act on this so that we can be better, so all labor can be better protected, right? Yeah, well, and not only labor. Right. I think one, uh, of, yeah. one of the lessons that uh, has been learned um, in fits and starts, shall we say, over the last couple of years, is the vulnerability of anybody to this. And when politicians were shown, as they were a while back, that they could be, um, that AI could uh, uh, make it as if they had said things that yeah. they would never in a million years say. And that was on both sides of the aisle, right. by the way. Right. Um, that they, a couple of them got religion uh, based on that. And then you had very concrete examples in the last six months, uh, starting with, um, there was an incident with Tom Hanks, yeah. um, I, I supposedly selling, I don't know, was it an oven or some damn thing? I don't know. Um, there was that. Um, and, uh, and then recently, of course, president Biden's voice was robocalls. supposedly yep. yeah on the robocalls. That was all uh, In New Hampshire, not folks, true. If you're not familiar that he was telling folks not to show up to vote, that he was exactly. not. And well, because there was a big push for him to be the write-in candidate. And thankfully, uh, people ignored those robocalls or didn't get them and showed up in overwhelming numbers. So, but, right, which is, but it was still a danger. No question about it. And, and it's also astonishingly indicative across the board. And this is not just I mean, AI is a new mechanism for it, but completely consistency. I don't care the jurisdiction. I don't care where in this country or at what level of government. But the there was always a push from the right to reduce the number of people who are voting, which is so insanely anti-American uh, and and goes against everything this country was founded on. It's it's it, I'm I, I wish I could say I was still shocked. I'm no longer shocked because it is the playbook. Right. Whatever they can do to suppress votes across the board, their assumption is that the more people vote, the less it will help them. And that's true. I I think not only do I, do I believe that it's been borne out. Right. Um, so that's the new playbook. Anyway, um, I digress. You're, no, you're, Sorry. I know. These are all pertinent just, and exactly what I was asking yeah, about. It's yes. Absolutely infuriating. Well, my friend Billy Gardell just posted, you know, that ad that you guys see of me selling some weight control 
you know, medicine is not him. Right. You know, and, and like it's just very strange to both see people that we all admire at being manipulated to to manipulate others. Uh, yeah, I just never in my wildest dreams would have thought that Billy Gardell, who if you're not familiar, folks, he was uh, Mike from Mike and Molly and I, another series on CBS as well. And a really beloved stand up comedian whose now image is being used for other people's profits, which was our fight for so much of what we were talking about with uh, our contracts. Hundred percent, and and interestingly, and I and I, I hate to jump aboard this you know uh, cultural uh, uh, express train lately, but this time you know the latest one was Taylor Swift. Oh my God, it's so bad. And yeah, I'm sorry. It's. I mean, I almost oh. hate to say this. It's one thing to mess with the president of the United States, but when you start messing <laughs> with Taylor Swift. <laughs> Yeah. You know? I mean, you've crossed the you've line, got, people. And and yeah. I'm only half kidding. I know. Um, because oh, she's way more popular than that, he is. And, no and, doubt about it. You, know, you can't fill a stadium several nights in a row. When she, when she, what was the increase when she told people to go register to vote 35,000. Yeah. yeah. And that was like overnight. And then yeah. within, what, 48 hours. Right. That was crazy. Thank you for the number, Roosevelt. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, so that is, and because it's reaching... That level, right? Be it that level of politician or that level of, you know, pop culture superstar. Um, as people start doing that, and the fact that that hers wasn't commercial, it was going back to the old deep fakes with pornography, right? Ugh. That is now, I think, going to kickstart some additional interest in people for passing some of this legislation. I know that there have been um, uh, bills put into the uh, state legislatures in at least a half a dozen states right now uh, for various levels of protection. I think ultimately this is probably something that should be uh, standardized and federalized, and, and I don't know whether it would be the Federal Trade Commission or, um, uh, or or maybe even the Federal Criminal Code. I don't know, you know, like where it would land, but because it's going to be, you know, a crazy quilt patchwork of state laws, right. um, which unfortunately exist in a whole bunch of areas, um, for this one, I think eventually it's going to have to be... Um, Standardized and, and, and so we have a uniform uh, code of commercial conduct when it comes to this kind of thing. I, I was trying to Google something real quick because I, I just remembered I saw an article because I've, I've been trying to do is I've been trying to understand this. You know, again, I, I, I have no expertise in technology and uh, AI generation. I mean, I, you know, people use chat GBT or they'll use Quillbot and things to reword things. We saw a lot of issues with people who have been accused of plagiarism. And there's a, a some students and professors at, or some researchers at U Chicago who have are working on watermarks for for art and things like that and I don't know it, it because it has to be a regulation at the technology point of trying to manipulate an image I mean it's just so it's the horse is out of the barn is what I'm saying and we are all out there with a saddle trying to jump on and it's really hard to get on a moving horse that's all I'm right. saying yeah I mean listen it's one the horse is out of the barn in terms of the technology itself yes and it's like any other technology the use can be anywhere from positive to benign right. to neutral to yeah. rank evil right and 
so it's one thing you have your own company and you want, you know, you don't have tens of thousands of dollars to spend on marketing. So you toss something into jet GPT that you can then massage for your own purposes. Right. And, but, great. That's, that's kind of what it's there for. Um, when, you know, for me, it's two criteria. It's when you're not admitting that it is non-human generated and you are trying to make it seem as if it is, right. that crosses a line. Yeah. And then the other one and the big one, both for, for us and well, when I say us for your audience, the, you know, professional actors out there, you know, generally for, um, camera actors, but also stage to some extent, um, uh, and then it's, you know, your physicality, your face, your voice um, for some movies and some video games, motion capture actors, you know, who wear those suits where the uh, right. Um, that's when it and for the writers, that's when it becomes the existential threat um, for us. It's a complete existential threat because it can take over completely your your face, your body, your voice, et cetera, et cetera. For the writers, of course, it's their intellectual product. Um, and what's at one point, I it, listen, this is not going to eliminate. So let's, you know, again, horses out of the barn. We're not, we're not going to get rid of writers, right? So for example, with the, with the, what the WGA just went through in a typical either, um, late night talk show or a, or a, a sitcom or whatever, you've got a writer's room, you know, maybe a dozen, 15 writers mm -hmm. in those kinds of situations. The danger isn't that it's going to go down to zero. You, you, you still cannot, and I would probably contend, you'll never really be able to punch in a few parameters and get a 22-minute sitcom episode that will go to air, right? That's not going to happen. But the danger is that that writer's room could shrink to two or three. Right. Because they would say, we'll generate everything else. You guys do the polish, the finish, mm. split it for commercials, right. whatever it is, right? It's the contraction. It's not the elimination, right? So it is absolutely a danger, but I also think that, that we need to be accurate about the parameters of the danger. Right. And I think that's true for them. That's true for us. And that's, that's on the other side of the coin. It's true for saying it is not inherently evil. It is what is done with it. Sure. I agree. I agree with that. We're yeah. talking to Richard Chavzin. Uh, remind me your title again at SAG after board member. National at the moment, I'm a member of the local board, Let's former national board member, former vice president of the local. And uh, I represent SAG after on the executive board of the state AFL-CIO. And uh, the reason I asked you about the holidays, even though we're so far away from it, is I, I just, you know, it was such a long year and SAG after's strike, our, our battle with the studios consumed so much of our energy, our both physical and emotional I was hoping that you got to relax a little bit. And it, uh, <laughs> it sounds like uh, hopefully you had a good time and, you know, we're ready to start the new year afresh. I did. I yes. did. And uh, and then, you know, the, the trip to Vegas was right after the new year. Uh, and that was for the uh, wasn't just Vegas, folks. Uh, <laughs> well, that was an element. Um, but uh, it was the Consumer Electronics Show, ah, which is yes. sort of the, you know, be all and end all um, tech, um, exposition mm -hmm. of 
everything new, cutting edge, this and that. And um, in the middle of CES, which was actually down a little this year, there was only, and I say only, 135,000 people what? attending. That's only. massive. Down wow. about 50,000 from what uh, I think last year or what they were expecting this year. Um, but in the middle of, of CES, um, it was uh, every year for the last, uh, this is the sixth year, um, there is the Labor Innovation and Technology Summit, LIT, the LIT Summit, um, that was um, founded by SAG-AFTRA, uh, the AFL-CIO, and the AFL-CIO uh, Tech Institute. And um, now this year we had representatives from... Um, oh, a dozen at least other unions. And that happens inside uh, the CES for two of the uh, afternoons. Uh, we go like basically 11 or noon to six each day inside CES. And then in the morning, we're going to other um, presentations, keynotes, lectures, things like that. And yes, I was focusing on AI for all of the aforementioned reasons. I really had a, a middle of the night text from me just absolutely beside myself. We were hanging out with Richard Chavez and local board member for SAG-AFTRA. Uh, we'll talk more about that that conference in Vegas and AI and uh, the contract and what's next for SAG-AFTRA and how how we can continue to support labor, not just uh, you know what we went through. We also were uplifting our brothers and sisters in SEIU and in UAW. I mean, there's a lot on the line this year. We have we, we were supported by so many unions last year. It's our turn to return that and, and really provide as much support as we can. And uh, we'll talk more about that when we come back. I'm when we come back, I want to take a phone call from Dave, who's been on hold. Jim, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to get to your call. It's been a little bit uh, wonky here technically. So uh, I'll get your call in just a moment, Dave. Uh, I wanted to touch base with you as well. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal, KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 773-763-9278. Again, that number, 773-763-9278. More in a moment on WCPT 820. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200, or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are live in studio with Richard Jobs, and we're going to take a break, another break in a minute, uh, Richard, because uh, you were asking about uh, Chris Hardwick, who had a very uh, unfortunate uh, demise in, in comedy. Weird. Yes. Uh I couldn't even. All I know is he was like, wasn't his dad? Like, was he a big bowler, or his dad was a big bowling champion? There's a lot. Of, the things that your brain kicks out when you hear a name, you're like, yeah, bowling guy. It's and then I was like Walking Dead. He did like those fan shows, and then he had like a, a game show that had comics on it as well. That actually predated the Talking Dead. Yes. Okay. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah. yeah. On Comedy Central, I think that one was. It on. was. It yes. was great. Well, well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I I uh, don't want to leave Dave from Hoffman Estates on hold too long. 
Dave, uh, if, if you want to hear Dave, I think you have to put your headphones on. But uh, Dave, I want to thank you for the letter you sent in regards to the uh, House resolution that the Re- Representative Kifowit is working on. And uh, and I'm glad that, uh, uh, you know, she's one of my favorite guests and one of my favorite humans. So it was my pleasure to help out in any way I can. How are you doing, Dave? Good. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you got it. And as I put in it, I, you were a big factor in helping, you know, by getting her on and her listening. And then, and then when you... Right away, hit her up when she came back from that uh, break, you know, right. the vacation break. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's as much you, you know, so. Thank, well, I, I, you know, there, you reminded me that there's a segment I should bring back that I used to. Uh, I used to have on my old show, which was It Ought to Be a Law. And we actually got three laws passed in Illinois with Senator Dan Katowski. Uh, one of them was Braille for people who need it, who are visually impaired, on their prescription bottles. Like, he didn't know. None of like, like Your legislators don't know until you tell them. Now, Representative, Ki- Representative Kifowit is familiar, and I think that once she realized it was something that she could make a move with, uh, you know, it was something that she's familiar with, the Cold War veterans. Um, but, yeah, I mean, things like that. So you, you just reminded me we should bring that segment on the air so that we yeah. can uh, let legislators know what's important to them. But yeah. and, she, and she's a veteran and she understood that. My guy never did nothing. But anyway, the, um, uh, the U.S. presence in Jordan has been risking angering the population that's already held mass demonstrations against Israel's war on Hamas and the Gaza Strip over the civilian casualties in the conflict that's already killed over 26,000 Palestinians. And they say estimates suggest some 3 million of Jordan's 11.5 million people are Palestinian. So, and then widespread unrest could uh, threaten the rule of King Abdullah II. He's a key ally. But And uh, Jordan, they initially they denied that Tower 22 base existed within its border after that attack. Even though we've been there since 2015, you know, it was originally a Jordanian uh, base, but we've been there because of its locale, like you said, you know, so close to Iraq and Syria and, and even Israel. So, but, uh, and real quickly, you guys were talking about, you and Roosevelt were talking about the, that Ted Nugent. The, I remember seeing him in 77. Oh, Richard's, live. Richard's wondering what, why. But we were talking about uh, Taylor Swift and how. Yeah, no, MAGA I mean, not you extreme. two, but you and Roosevelt. You yes. and Roosevelt talked about that, Ted yes. Nugent. Yes, and that and I uh, saw him li- yeah, but the right, but the right and, love Ted Nugent, and you know we don't we don't yeah. lose our minds or stop liking a performer because they're all MAGA. Although I do not like a lot of those folks, like Kevin Sorbo and yeah. and Chachi. Can, well, he's the yeah, he's the biggest hawk there is. But yet, in uh, when his time came in Vietnam, you know, to be drafted, he said he walked around for like two three days of what a baby does in his diapers, so he could beat the draft. Uh. <laughs> and uh, and then I just now closer you get to Jimmy at the winter. Seventy seven I saw him live at the Capitol Center in Washington and he was screeching for some joints or whatever and somebody in the crowd whipped a wine bottle at him and just missed his head by about three inches. Oh my god. Had I known his politics, I wish the guy would have had a better aim. <laughs> wow. Okay, we don't wish ill on anybody. Uh, okay. anyway, we, we can think it, it, we don't say it out loud. Have a good one, Dave. Thank you.
But thanks again, Patty, for all you've done there with that. Yeah, but my pleasure. And, you know, always let me know if there's something I can help with uh, because I got got some folks that I know, like Richard Chavzin, who is a board member for our local board member with SAG-AFTRA, formerly on the national board and formerly the uh, vice president of local SAG-AFTRA. A vice president. A a vice, un un vice president. Uh, Let's continue our conversation when we come back on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible democratic socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Buy yours at Beer on Central in Evanston, D&D Finer Foods in Evanston, Rogers Park Provisions, Provisions Uptown, and Beer Shop Oak part must be 21 please drink responsibly patty vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278 driving it home with patty vasquez now on wcpt 820 i love that we're doing two nights in a row of labor last night we had our friends from union proud warrior and uh you can go to unionproudwarrior.com they've got a great uh social media presence as well follow them on twitter and tiktok instagram all the social medias and joining me in studio is our good friend richard chavzin from the sag after he's a local board member former a former vice president of sag after and a national board member formerly uh, i texted him in the middle of the night while he was uh, in vegas we were just talking about that conference the consumer tech conference yes uh well the consumer, consumer electronics show yes. and then the labor innovation technology summit for AFL-CIO. i want to go to one of these conferences i know I, I probably should run for something and sag after i will they've asked me before and i and now that i've gotten more involved i didn't see I, I didn't think it would be appropriate if i like all of a sudden i'm like i've been a member i should run i want to get involved and be you know somebody who is participating and helping and then say here this is what i've done you know what i mean like, that's and, the way it should be absolutely no reason not to and you know Union activism, you know, I don't have to tell you doing this, you know, come on. Well, and it's funny because, um, you know, I get the emails and I'll see like all the things, all the events and activities. Like I will be, I told my husband today to put it on the calendar. I want to go to the next uh, SAG-AFTRA in, in-person event uh, for our awards. for the uh, Always very, a great time. Yes, I've never been. I've always, always wanted to go time. to that. Oh, come. It's fun. I will. I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching all of my... Um, February 24th, I think. That's what, Is it a Saturday? I thought it was on a Sunday. Yeah. Okay, so Saturday. Saturday. Okay. So, sweetie, can you change that to the 24th, please? Uh, my husband, please change that date. That's why I put everything in pencil when it's my dates. Um, but you were in Vegas, uh, and I, uh, I don't know if – I don't know how to put this because the, really one of the most uh, important elements of my career of becoming a stand-up comic are – entirely because of the brilliant comedy of George Carlin. I saw somebody who took ideas that um, just seemed nonsensical. You know, he could weave uh, an experience, whether it was social commentary or just the absurd. You know, why do they need it to fly? You'd think they'd have a bug called to walk first. I mean, it was like just, I mean, he could do everything. He was brilliant. His mind was like a jazz musician as a comic. And, um, his daughter one night uh, shared with us on social media that she had just become aware of a AI generated hour long comedy special by previously a comedian that I had respected. He was one of the original cast members of Mad TV, and 
you know, they have a disclaimer at the beginning that the, this is, um, it's like an, impre- an impersonation. It's not, you know, so we have the right, basically, it's, it's a satire in the voice of if you were still alive kind of a thing. And, and it's not a visual. It's just an, an, an album, essentially. But it's on YouTube. And please, I mean, I guess you could check it out if you want to see how you can take someone's entire intellect and just put it into a machine and then churn something out. Um, and I messaged Richard right away because I one of my concerns as a as a stand up comic is that we are already kind of in a weird position. We are not uh, we are not necessarily we're only paid as performers, not as our writers, and the whole kit and caboodle, our own directors, the whole thing. Exactly. And I mean, when I first heard the story, um, I was appalled that. Someone, especially people who had come from the comedy business, yeah, and you know, as 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 we discussed a long time ago, I was in that for three years. I took off from theater and I was uh, playing clubs uh, with with two partners for a few years. Um, it it is it's theft. It is you know it, it is theft of. I mean, intellectual property at its legal base, but just also. At somebody's art and their soul and 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 all of that, um, I felt particularly aggrieved because I have a, you know, the kind of relationship with Carlin that I have with um, you know Richard Pryor yeah. and 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 Alan Sherman and Tom Lehrer and these people who crafted my humor when I was you know extraordinarily um, you know young and impressionable and soaking all that up and I have and this is a complete side note and this is true don't ask me why but I have a pair of bowling shoes signed by George Carlin what don't ask me why <laughs> I, love that. I have a friend of mine when he left Chicago for LA said, do you want these? I'm like, of course I want those. Um, oh but God. also I was at, there's a, a very infamous concert that Carlin did at Summerfest in Milwaukee in 1973. Oh. I think it was 70, 72 or 73 um, where he was arrested for doing his bits. The seven words you can't say on television All the late night hosts were apparently you can't say them in Milwaukee either. Um, (laughs) And on the cover, actually, of his next album, he sort of got back a little bit because there's a a square frame around the inside of the album cover with little with jokes and teeny, teeny print that go all the way around. And one of them is uh, beer nuts is a Milwaukee disease. Um, Oh, my God. Based on that. But I was at that show, and it's sort of like Woodstock. It's like if you believe everybody who actually said they were there, it, they wouldn't have fit in something five times that size. Um, but it was it was an amazing, amazing show. And, you know, here's how you can tell if somebody was really there. If they tell you that they knew he was arrested that night or saw it, they're full of crap because the cops waited until after he got off stage. I didn't know until I got home, and my father told me. Wow. Because um, oh, yeah, so he they, heard they it on the radio. Right, they didn't see him hold off. But, yeah, but, but, yeah they did. They appropriated... Um, his style, his material, um, and it's one thing to do the disclaimer saying that it was um, an impression, but that's that's 
disingenuous even framing it that way. Um, If it was somebody, you know, an impressionist, you know, a Rich Little or, uh, you know, whoever, you know, that... uh, Frank Caliendo would be that, yeah. Sure. Um, uh, Frank Gorshin, actually, believe it or not, used to be one of the impressionists. Douglas. Yes. Brilliant, yes. (laughs) Uh, He did an astonishing Sullivan also, if I recall. Too funny. Um, But that's one thing, right? Right. Where, Where that's somebody's stock and trade and it is anywhere between you know homage satire lampooning whatever it is but to create it as if the person had done it and the fact that when you say it's an impression it's you're torturing that word you know because it's ia generated um that's that's somewhere on the continuum between disingenuous and criminal and and robbing him of the dignity in his family. I mean, like having a – because it is also done in the style of his voice, not just the Precisely. material. Right. Like if you want to do an AI-generated set that would be something along the lines of George Carlin, you know, we might look down at we, – we might be able to suss it out, right? We might be able to suss it out and go, oh, that sounds like something Carlin would say. Because after Mitch Hedberg died, I, I can't tell you how many comics were doing the style of Mitch Hedberg. But you couldn't say like, you know, you, you couldn't necessarily say, oh, you stole that from Mitch Hedberg. It was just like that. I don't know if you're familiar with Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. B- brilliant one-liner writer. Uh, and we don't have that many anymore. I mean, like Stephen Wright, Mitch, Hed- Mitch Hedberg, one of my favorite jokes is this. And they would sound like him, right? His pattern, which is, this shirt is dry, clean only, which means this shirt is dirty. <laughs> now I'm doing an impression of him, right? So that's like, I do impressions of my mom, but the the whole thing of, of George Carlin, uh, the, how what he would say about topics that are happening now, using his quality of voice, you know, it's just, it was so gross. And I, I was, here, here's what uh, Kelly Carlin said. Here is, um, my dad spent a lifetime perfecting his craft from his very human life, brain and imagination. No machine will ever replace his genius. This AI, these AI generated products are clever attempts at trying to recreate a mind that will never exist again. Let the artist's work speak for itself. Humans are so afraid of the void that we can't let what has fallen into it stay there. So I just, I mean, that was just so beautifully said. And, uh, and I know that, it, you know, and then there were people like coming after her. I mean, it also opened up her for attacks of trying to stake out like the, the moral importance of this moment. And people were like, oh, stop whining. You're just mad because you didn't get paid. It's just like it was opening up this horrific uh, avenue for abuse toward her. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh. And the, the only silver lining, I think, is sort of gets back to something we talked about a couple of segments ago, which is that it brings it to the forefront of the uh, to some extent, the public consciousness, but perhaps more important, the consciousness of legislators. And again, all you know, whatever state, federal level, it's just one more, you know, pie, something on the pile of evidence that's mounting up that something has to be done to protect the integrity of. A person and whether that person, you know, is still around, you know, like a Tom Hanks or a Taylor Swift or President Biden or whoever else or somebody long dead. Right. Um, that doesn't matter because there's 
I, I can't get get back to any other other word than integrity. Yeah, uh, I agree. To to save that. So yeah. uh, before we take a break, again we're hanging out with Richard Chavez, and he's a local board member of SAG-AFTRA, formerly national board member and a former vice president of SAG-AFTRA Local. I want to uh, give Jim a chance because he's calling back. Thanks for calling back, Jim. You're on the air with uh, me and Richard. What's on your mind? Penny, I just had a compliment you before you go buddy by tonight. You picked most astute candidates for office that I've ever heard on the radio, on your show. I don't know if you're picking them, but if you are, you should have a talent agency open up somewhere in Chicago and, and well, run these candidates on the air. They're fabulous. I, I mean, they're this. really fabulous. I, I will say, well, it's a couple things. One, uh, Dr. David, and he's referring to David, Dr. David Nyack, who joined us in the last hour. One of the things about having run for office, uh, I ran for state rep here in Illinois for the 19th district, and I met a lot of people along the way. And one of those individuals was a really uh, wonderful human being, uh, now a good friend of mine, Dan Aviles, who uh, lives in the 38th ward and lives in the 19th district, who was out there knocking on doors with me, who was at a lot of my events, was a wonderful volunteer, uh, and his wife helped me out a lot, too. Um, and they uh, and they were out there when the pandemic, when the world was shutting down. Dan showed up for me at polling places, was a really uh, tireless. So when he called me and said, I, I have a candidate who's really uh, remarkable and I think you'll like him, I'm going to listen to that guy. So it's it's partly the networks that I've created in my career. And then with uh, Clayton Harris, who's running for a state's attorney, um, that was Senator Dan Katowski. So it's, a, it's that I know people who are good people that know other good people, I think, is probably the, uh, the asset that I have. You've got an ear for it, Peter. There's Thank no you. doubt about it. I appreciate it. And, uh, well, I will tell you, my, my dear friend Tom, my, that's all right. No, I, I just remembered something. My dear friend Tom Carmack, who you might remember as a regular on the show, one of my best friends, who was a political strategist and a consultant, uh, our intention was to create a consulting company to uh, to guide candidates. You know, I having had the, uh, the real lived experience of being a candidate and Tom having run dozens of successful judicial races, um, you know, and had been in, in media, uh, that was our. So I, I I know how hard it is. So I I, I have I'm very comfortable having conversations yeah, yeah, with I, politicians. I, I, I could see I, I could sense that I could sense that that would have been a great idea. Too yeah. bad the, the poor guy passed away. Anyway, Patty, thanks for taking thanks. my call. Thanks, Jim. And have a have a good night, Patty. That was very sweet of you to say. By the way, thank you, Jim. And I, and I would say that's the other thing too. I, I would say that uh, Tom is my uh, a guiding light who continues to uh, point me in the right direction when it comes to politics. No, I, I, I will stumble along the way, Richard, right? Mm. I mean, just, I, I'm going to have my moments. Absolutely. And, you know, just to make sure lines are, are uh, yes. really well drawn, um, because we are SAG-AFTRA and part of our, uh, a not insignificant part of our membership are uh, reporters News anchors, broadcasters, um, et cetera, from, you know, from network to NPR to all, everywhere. Um, we, we very studiously avoid any candidate politics. Yes, I know. We'll do issues all day long. I know, <laughs> but I'm just, promise. I'm letting your, <laughs> I'm know, letting your, uh, your, your yes. listenership just well, n- know that I, I will comment on some things and not others. Yes, fair so. enough. And, and I also, I mean, that was one of the great things about having, you know, Dick Kay, who was a big, oh, uh, huge uh, champion of labor. Uh, and he was also in the engineers union. Uh, that's one of the mm-hmm. things that uh, made me think I should probably look into that as well. And of course, Jonas Bezito, 
both of whom uh, people were like, if I'd known they were, you know, a lib, I would have never paid any attention to them. And I would say, to Richard's point, is that they were, that's how good they are and were as journalists, was that you didn't know. And actually what, what made Dick such a great commentator and why Joan is so exquisite in the work that she does is that incredible experience, having had that position, seeing everything, talking to people, covering so many incredible stories, and both, of course, uh, members of SAG-AFTRA. And not, so, not and only Ava members, for a long time. Uh, yeah. you know, Dick was uh, the president of the Chicago local of AFTRA pre-merger mm-hmm. uh, for Either six or eight years, I think eight years, um, and was was sort of one of my mentors when I was really? coming up, uh, and and uh, he was fabulous. And um, uh, Joan, uh, you know, is on the board, and um, uh, I think a couple terms now, and has been a valuable uh, uh, you know union leader as well. Um, but as you say, uh, just really, really professional and not. Not blurring those lines. Yes. And that's really, really important for the credibility of our journalists. So. And, and I appreciate that, too. And I, and I, and I joke because, you know, it was uh, – I will say that uh, Bob Ryder and the mm-hmm. local unions were – did very well by me in, in the sense that they did not come in heavy against me. And, and by the way, thank you to the painters' unions. And I, uh, and I you know, I get – I'm so grateful for all my friends in labor who have, you know, expressed that uh, they were proud of the campaign that I ran. And, uh, and, and I think that we have built a really strong coalition because we are going to continue to show up for each other. Uh, but this last strike, I mean, I, I, I was really dazzled and um, impressed by how many other unions, whether it was the nurses, flight attendants, pilots, uh, obviously IATSE, and they have a, a, a contract, I believe, this year that we will be standing in uh, shoulder to shoulder with them as well. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're keeping a strong eye on the IA contract because they have always been uh, Absolutely great for us. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, to be specific, there's two different uh, locals. I mean, there's more, but but more or less. Uh, on the SAG after side, we deal with um, the studio mechanics um, side of the IA, and the other um, end of it that uh, is the, the there's the stagehands. Right. Both IATSE, but they're divided. Two, it's two different locals. Right. So there's, there's a on air kind of a thing. Right with and then the live performance. Right on yes. set, yeah, on sets set. versus yeah, yeah, yeah. And all, versus live. All necessary work. We can't do what we do without oh, their hundred percent. And yeah. speaking of the strike, I want to correct my numbers from earlier sure. because uh, I probably my, misled you. My partner who is listening hi. in Texas, hi, hi. Judy, um, uh, got me the hard numbers because I didn't expect because we talked about it last time, so I didn't come prepared. That's no, my fault. But um, but the the strike authorization vote was almost ninety eight percent. Yeah. So that was. You solid. Know, absolutely solid. Virtually unanimous. Uh, in terms of the uh, ratification, the turnout was a little over 38 percent, which frankly is pretty high. And not just for us, but okay. for unions in general. Um, and then the the ratification was 78 uh, percent and change to 21 and change. But even that is low compared to uh, our previous contract cycles, uh, which tend to be either three or four years, um, where we're usually, as I said before, north of 90. This had some controversy because, like any new technology, people weren't trusting. It's the same. Uh, you know, We try to stay ahead of the curve where after, you know, like, oh, I don't know if this whole cable TV thing is going to turn into anything. I mean, that was a conversation. Oh, I know. Yeah, a strong and streaming, conversation. all those things, Streaming, yeah. uh, uh, going to, uh, you know, DVD 
instead of VHS. Right. Right. That was a whole thing. And then we finally learned, okay, we have to stop naming the technologies in our contracts. We have to say, however you're going to record right. this. You yeah, know. yeah. Well, our language should have been, in whatever way you use this, in perpetuity, I have control over I have some say in this. Precisely. Rather than us signing it over. Yeah. We're going to wrap up our conversation when we come back on WCPT 820. And uh, I'm so grateful to have you in studio. I'm grateful that you were able to, to join us at the last... It was... It, I thought that I had... Uh, <laughs> It was, for, a, it was a great weeks. laugh. Oh it was God. a great I'm laugh. I'm so sorry. It's how my brain works sometimes. <laughs> More in a moment on uh, WCPT820, Heartland Signal and KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT820. Richard Shaws and I are in studio. We're having uh, someday I'm going to uh, record off-air conversations too, but, <laughs> but then I have to get permissions from folks, and then they'll they'll still be thinking about what they say. <laughs> so they wouldn't want to do that. What is? Uh, we have about two minutes left. What What do you see uh, coming up for SAG after, and how can people get involved? Whether it's SAG after or labor in general. Uh, wow. I know, it's a lot. Um, boy, so many. We'll stay up to date, I think, on what's going on. Be aware of where labor is. Of course. And and the as you said earlier, the uptick right now in not only the uh, uptick in union membership itself, but also in the, um, the popularity of unions and the acknowledgement of the uh, important work that they do in at one point creating and now maintaining the middle class is absolutely immeasurable. Um, so, you know, if if you have contact with people or are friends with people or family or whatever, and they're having any kind of a, a, a labor action, you know, walk the line with them for a couple hours, yeah. hand out the leaflets, whatever it is, or at least uh, be aware of the mindset that there is good being done. Um, you know, we're at a situation now where, uh, you know, Six, not that long ago, and you know, 1960, 65, I think, might have been the high watermark. Fifty percent of households in yeah. this country had a union member, um, and at and at the you know the low point, and I think the low point was starting to you know come around because of you know Reagan and the air traffic controllers and all the things that were happening in in, in the early 80s, um, drove it down, and we were, our low watermark I think was about eight percent. Of households, wow, yeah. and just in the last couple of years, we've ticked up. Um, I have to check the national AFL-CIO to make sure, but I think we're uh, heading toward north of ten. Yeah, well, it's something. It's, it's an improvement. It, it's something. It's and an don't improvement. Don't cross a picket line. Oh, please yes, don't. Please don't cross a picket line. Richard Chavson, and uh, I, it's always a pleasure to have you in the studio, and I'll be better about scheduling you for next month if your <laughs> schedule allows. Because I want to do – we're doing labor every week, uh, and so we can touch base about anything that comes up and events that people should know about. And for folks who uh, are interested in unionizing, uh, go to unionproudwarrior.com. We had them in the studio yesterday. Uh, if you were wondering, like, can I unionize, they can give you the information. IA is coming up. Starbucks, the, the yes. Columbia College adjunct faculty – won a big contract. The Second City Educators just barely right. escaped last week a contract yep. or a, a work action. So. so thank you for that. So we'll talk to you next month. If you'll, if you'll come in, I'll, I'll text you for sure. Matt, thank you so much. <laughs> and Andy, Mike Crute's up next with Devil's Advocates. Good night, everybody.